If you're looking for hats for your business, hunting club, or just whatever, go check out Chickasahay Hat Company. It's locally owned by good folks, so you don't have the hassle of dealing with big box companies. They carry multiple different brands and sizes, including the number one selling hat, the Richardson 112. Custom embroidery is available on all hats and shirts, and to top it off, 10% of all profits go to charities for people that struggle with addiction. Like I said, good people. You can check them out on Facebook at Chickasahay Hat Company or on the web at chickasahayhatco.com. All right, we're back. We've taken a uh, taking a little time off, so we're gonna sling a show out there tonight. Um, how long have we been out? A couple weeks, huh? I have no idea. I don't well, even remember yeah. the last podcast. <laughs> it's been a while. It has been a while. Was the um, last podcast uh, the Delta people? People from Delta. Um, both their names. We did it at my house. My former house. I'm now home. That, that was that was the last podcast you were on. That is right. That was uh, Halo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You. I mean, you just flopped on the entire month of August, man. Yeah, I was busy. Yeah, moving houses, moving houses. Um, first thing we wanted to cover tonight was uh, here a couple weeks ago. We had the. Pine Belt chapter of Whitetails Unlimited. We had uh, the very first ever banquet in in Hattiesburg. Um, turned out to be a great success. Matt and I both were there. Um, sold. Yeah, it was a pretty good little deal, and they, they had a full crowd. Yeah, there was actually uh, more tickets sold than they had chairs in the in the venue. Um, did it at the Barn at Bridalwood. It was a really cool venue. They gave away a ton of guns, ton of other stuff. Uh, yeah, from what I'm hearing, you know, this is from what I'm hearing, you know, you know, out here in the streets and stuff, you know, I'm hearing that it's actually way better ran and better than the, uh, you know, wildlife banquet. You talking about the wildlife, extrav- the wildlife extravaganza? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. But it so was what I'm cool, hearing though. is we- it's way better and <laughs> stuff. So whatever. We had a good time, uh, Matt. Matt actually won an auction item. Um, that was fun. Yeah, Matt's a big, uh, big two A guy. So, oh boy, do I fit the bill for a big two A guy? He's a big two A guy. He's uh, <laughs> Matt so has a Gaston flag tattooed on his chest. For uh, those of you what, who are, that's what many would think. Uh, so here's the story. Uh, my wife was giving me a hard time. She was just playful with me, and she was giving me a hard time because I wouldn't bid on these overseas trips. Knowing good well she doesn't want me to win that because then she would be along with the kids for a couple weeks. And so she uh, was kind of picking at me, and so I was like, okay, I'll show you how to bid. So the next thing that comes up, I didn't even really pay any attention to it, but it's the Second Amendment American flag gun cabinet with the Second Amendment like inscribed on it. I mean, Which is, it's, 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 not, awesome. it's not terrible. It's really awesome, but it just doesn't fit what my wife would ever let me put inside the house. 
it's just yeah. not in it. It, it kind of, it's kind of trying too hard is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I just laid the first bid out. She said, let's start this bid at $300. I said, boom, Shelly, I'll show you. So I did that first bid and kind of laugh it off. Um, unfortunately, I was apparently the only person that thought it was awesome in that entire room because nobody else did. Yeah. And so I'm the proud owner of it now. But hey, money's going to a group that uses their funds pretty well. Uh, ben, I was telling Hunter that I looked them up. They use a pretty good bit of their money towards their, uh, it's in the 80s, 80% or something, uh, back to, you know, giving program, programs that give back and stuff instead right. of just putting it in the pocket. Right. And as opposed to the Wood Warrior Project. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the good thing about. <laughs> This banquet and, and it being in Hattiesburg and the, the Pine Belt chapter is all of that money that was raised that night, which, you know, Whitetails Unlimited takes their percentage of it um, for the for the national headquarters. But the rest of it stays in this chapter here in the Pine Belt. So um, they'll be able to pump money into, I mean, basically whatever this chapter decides that that the needs are um i've talked to a couple of people and and talked about you know putting it back into youth um youth programs uh and archery programs you know things like that um speaking of that um this made me think of something and i wanted to make sure i said something tonight uh i was actually supposed to have a conversation about where the money from this bank would go with uh waldo cleveland uh Mm-hmm. Which, if you you know, if you follow the outdoors at all, Waldo is huge in the archery program in Mississippi. I mean, he's headed up the the high school archery program in the state for years now. Um, he's the guy that makes that go. Um, and some sad news: uh, Waldo passed away last week uh, unexpectedly. And uh, our condolences and our thoughts and prayers obviously go out to the Cleveland family. And uh, the outdoor world has certainly lost a man that um, has done a lot for it, and and he'll certainly be missed. So, um, so yeah, I just want to make sure we we mentioned that on air that uh, Auto Cleveland uh, will certainly be missed by, missed by many. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, we should we should we should move the uh, school stuff to just traditional archery. Think so? Yeah, just, I just think trad so. Stuff uh, only? Yeah, just trad bow stuff because you're not even really shooting a compound bow at this point. So nothing you take from this is educating you on how to take like take it to the next level in like actual like compound bow competitions because okay. there's nothing. They have trad bow categories, correct? Do they not? Uh, I was. I'm under the understanding that they just use the Genesis with the floppy, floppy thumb rest, and you okay. shoot a target with your fingers and the okay. sights. So you might as well just do a trad bow anyway. Right. That's just my opinion. I don't really care. Um, Food for thought. Um, you know. I mean. Yeah. Then, then you're actually learning a skill. Like you can actually teach people how to shoot as opposed to here's a compound bow. And now here, let me show you how to shoot it incorrectly so that when you do get a real compound bow, you have no idea what you're doing. 
Um, <laughs> that's kind of what we're doing now. So anyway, it's not knocking it. I and mean, then, you know, it sounds like I, I just no idea. Noted. Um, dove season this weekend, uh, marked the beginning of dove season in Mississippi. I did not go. Did you guys, either of you guys, uh, go? Dude, I haven't been dove hunting in probably five, six years. <laughs> Matt, no, I, I fooled around the yard so I could get the dog a retriever too. I got a few acres and, uh, he, he went and got a couple for me. But no, I didn't go to a field that was set up or anything. Yeah. And I have not heard of a ton of success. Not to say that people aren't having it. I'm just saying that my limited interaction with folks I'm getting the drift it was not a very good dove year so far, at least the early season. You know, I've I feel like the last few years have, have been kind of the same story. Um like uh, you know, I don't remember if it was last year or the year I think it was the year before last. We had that tropical storm that came through like right before dove season. And everybody was yeah. like, man, we didn't see any birds because the tropical storm just blew them all away or whatever. and Or they left the area because of the storm coming through. And then this year I've heard people talking about, you know, obviously we've been in a major drought now for over a month, uh, really about a month and a half. Um, and people are saying that there's no birds because of the drought. So, uh, just bad timing with these weather phenomenons with dove season. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it could be drought. It could be the heat. Uh, we were way over average temperature for quite some time. Uh, I'm talking about over average highs too, not just average through the day. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't. Some some doves are going to move south. You know, I mean, a lot of doves are resident doves, especially down in like Mexico and further south. But the United States, they move from Canada down. Um, and it's, I mean, who would come down when it's 100 degrees? I, I saw the other day where in Wisconsin or Minnesota, I'm about to look this up, there was a high of like 98 or 99 in one of those cities. Really? Yeah, that's outrageous. Yeah, that's way too hot that far north. That's way too hot here. You know, I I don't remember a time in my life where we had this many 100-degree days, you know, in in a summer. I mean, I can think back to, like, days being really hot for three or four days, you know, and and you just not want to do anything. Temperatures over 100 for three or four days in a row. But we essentially had temperatures in the triple digits for an entire month. And I don't remember that ever yeah. happening before. Yeah. Um, I mean, we broke our record in Florida this year for the hottest ever recorded water temperature in the Gulf of Mexico. Did we really? Yeah, it was like 99 degrees. Unbelievable. Oof. Yeah. We're lucky which, I mean, which, which, is, which is strange because I kid you not, whenever I was at Orange Beach three weeks ago, something like that, um, I wanted to go back to the truck and get my wetsuit on at eight o'clock in the morning. Cause it was a little chilly. Huh? I mean, I, I like, I, I did not want to get back in the water after I'd gotten out on the boat to move spots. Cause I'm like, ah, like this is just gonna, it's gonna suck for 20 seconds. You know? Yeah. Not like, it's like, it's like the, it was like spear, uh, hand grabbing on the buoy opening day sort of right. felt like, 
You know how just Which is horrible cold. that is at seven o'clock in the morning. It may maybe it wasn't that cold, but still, it's like uh, like I know if I just have to get in and do it, but I just do not want to. Um, but you know, a lot of that has to do with the tides and stuff. But I mean, I've been thirty miles offshore and this year, and the water's lukewarm on top anyway. So I don't know, maybe undercurrent stuff is coming up during the tide. It's the only thing I can like explain it because when the tide comes back out in the afternoons, it's, you know, warm water again because that river water stuff, but just an assessment that I made this year really shocked me that morning when I hit the water and my breath was taken away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, insane, insane temperatures this year, especially like, like for people who work outside. Um, right. Like, yeah. like wearing, like imagine having to wear a long sleeve and then putting thick rubber sleeves on over it and then wearing rubber gloves on top of that. It gets, it's just, it's almost like this year I have sweat more like to the point where there's nothing on my body that's not sweaty. And I don't mean like my shirt has changed colors. I mean like, it looks like I have fully clothed, jumped into a lake, and now I'm standing on the dock. Yeah. Like, yeah, just insane. Your, I bet your water intake is pretty high. Oh, dude, you just hammer water 24-7. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of this, too. Uh, high school football has been going on for the last couple of weeks. I'm amazed that we haven't had more heat-related illnesses in football games than we have. And it doesn't make any sense to me. I actually posted this on on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. Like, you're you're talking about safety of athletes and stuff with weather. Um, You know, when lightning gets within a 10-mile radius, uh, they stop a a football game or a baseball game or whatever um, for 30 minutes. And, if you know, every time a bolt of lightning strikes within that 10-mile radius – it resets the clock. Restarts the clock. 30, yeah, it restarts the clock 30 minutes. So that's lightning, right? Obviously, it's right. dangerous. Um, think about this uh, with the baseball game. If it rains and you get too much water, say, in the outfield to where outfielders are slipping and sliding when they're trying to run, you don't play the game because you don't want to, you know, we're not even talking about life and death here. We're talking about you know, tearing a knee up or pulling a hamstring, something like that. But, you know, the field is deemed not safe to play. But when temperatures reach 105 degrees with a heat index of 120, we're still playing high school football. And to me, that's more dangerous. I mean, there's there are more heat-related deaths in America in athletics than there are lightning deaths in America in athletics. Why have we not connected those dots yet and said, all right, you know what? We're not going to play this game. It's too hot. Well, for one, there were some high schools that were pushing games back at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Like, it's, it's my, like I'm standing outside. to 8 o'clock. I'm standing out, yeah, but I'm standing outside right now, and it's fine. Like, this is yeah, but two, hot August two, high school football weather. Two weeks ago it wasn't, though. Like, yeah, but also cooler. heat can be mitigated. Like, you can, hey, buddy, don't play your starter 60 plays. You right. know? Like, you can you can mitigate heat as opposed to light. Look, I agree, but also, you're not stopping that train. Football's too big. 
It's too much money. With that. Yeah, also baseball players are just soft, you know. So you gotta, can't, you know, I mean, they're not stopping a football game because there's bad traction. I'm just saying. No, you don't. You're right. You're right. Um. So, anyway, something else that just went on in Mississippi. Uh, I guess tomorrow we're recording on Sunday night. This will come out on Thursday, but by the time by the time this comes out, the season will be over. Uh, Mississippi alligator season. <clears throat> Um, ten day season, and I guess opening day. I think it was opening night. Opening night, we have a uh, a new state record killed. Um, killed in the west central zone. Uh, fourteen foot four inches. No, excuse me, fourteen foot three inches. Fourteen foot three inches. It weighed one hundred and two point five pounds. It is the longest alligator ever caught. Uh, on Four, 402 pounds, though. Huh? No, it was 802 pounds. 802 pounds. Oh, it sounded like you said 102 pounds. Oh, no, 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 no. 802.5. Yeah. Um, And 14 feet, 3 inches. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw a picture of it today, and it's just... It's I mean, an, it doesn't even... It's, <laughs> a, it's an impressive alligator. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, it was caught in the uh, Yazoo River. Um, and we, I thought this was kind of neat. I read an article about it. Um, the gator was actually tagged uh, back in, I want to say, if I'm not, if I'm if I'm correct, it was tagged in like 2005. And it was moved. Um, it was like a nuisance gator, and they moved it to this this particular area of the Yazoo River, which it has stayed since then. Um, let's see, 2005, that's how many years? Huh, I'm not real good at math, Hunter. How, how many years ago? 18 years ago? Two, 2005, I don't even know what year it is now. 2023? Uh, yeah, eight years ago. 18 years ago. So that thing's been there for 18 years, and they were able to uh, determine that that gator had grown two and a half inches per year. Uh, from the time they tagged it and released it to the time it was caught this year and killed, um, so that's kind of neat that uh, you know that not only were these guys able to kill a state record alligator, but it was a gator that the uh, Department of Wildlife, I think Ricky Flint, who we've had on the show in the past, used to be the coordinator of the alligator program. Ricky Flint was actually the guy that tagged it back then, um, and now there's a new state record. So uh, good for these guys. Go ahead. It, it it appears to be. Never mind. Never mind. I almost said that it was a like a world record alligator. Um, that was a misprint there by uh, Wauna News or whatever. But the largest alligator ever caught in the United States was fifteen foot nine. That's inaccurate. One thousand eleven pounds. No. Seventeen foot two in Louisiana. In like 1890, I looked it up the other day. Okay, 18. Okay, Ben, 1890. Yeah, <laughs> they had. I tape, don't think so. They had uh, tape measures in 1890. They didn't catch that alligator. <laughs> no, dude, you're not. You're not telling me that 1890 is the record. I'm just not having that. Um, <laughs> I'm just. I'm, I will not comply with that. I'm going with the Alabama one. 
thousand thousand pounds. But that one, anyways, Alabama yeah, that's was that's unbelievable. I, I saw that they had like a six-hour fight, multiple rides. Right. For the one that was caught this year, in yep. the Mississippi one. You know, I thought about it. Like, we've caught a 12-footer. Um, when Hunter and I were on the boat, and it wasn't that bad. You know, I mean, it. No, I mean. We, 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 we handled it well. Um, we were also in a, a larger body of water, more open water, where it couldn't, you know, get tangled up in a bunch of stuff. <clears throat> but uh, can you imagine trying to land a 14-foot three alligator in your boat? Like, that's no. 802 pounds. Most of, the, most of those boats that are out there gator hunt are not our 14-foot boats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, I had tags this year, and um, I went with, with Matt Alliston and Conrad Gilmore, uh, two guys that you know, usually go with every year. Those were two guys that were in the boat with us, Hunter. Um, yeah. So, we go opening night that Friday. We go to uh, – we go to Grand Gulf, and we put in the Mississippi River stages were good. All the, you know, s- smaller rivers running into it were, were shallow because they hadn't had any rain, but the big river was fine. Um, we put in a little after dark. We went up to Davis Island, hunted there for a while. We actually spent way too much time there um, because there were so many boats. Because so many other places were, were so low, Everybody was kind of concentrated to that one area where there was water. And uh, <clears throat> a couple guys ended up catching uh, a, like a 13-footer up there um, that weighed – I don't know what it weighed. It had to push 700 pounds. I saw it on their boat. It was huge. And it had like this weird growth under its chin. Um, I don't I don't know what that is, but like it was a big – I'll have to send you guys a picture. It was a big growth under his chin. It was cool. Um, And then there were a couple other, like, 10-foot, 11-foot gators that were pulled that night. But we hunted there. We came back down, um, went up in the the beginning of the Big Black River for just a minute. There was already a bunch of boats there, so we were like, we didn't want to fight that. So we left there, went to Yucatan Lake. Um, We were able to get through. You know, you got to go through Yucatan Ditch. Both of you guys have been through it. And that's actually in Louisiana before it shoots you out into the lake, the Oxbow Lake, and then half the lake's Louisiana, half Mississippi. Um, ton of boats on the water. And we could not. I mean, we, we went from, you know, sundown to sun up. We could not get on an alligator that was over 10 foot. I don't know what it was this year, but I think the biggest one we caught was nine and a half foot, and we let it go. Uh, did end up killing uh, my runt gator. He was six foot six inches, um, or she was. It was female. Um, <clears throat> so I filled that one tag that night, and then uh, left there. I went back. When did I go back? Thursday. Went back Thursday night, and put in at the same place again at Grand Gulf. The intention was to go to Yucatan and shoot the first thing we saw that was ten foot or better. Um, the river, the Mississippi, this is this is what was incredible to me. The Mississippi River had dropped eight feet from Friday night to Thursday night. You could not get to, you couldn't get to Yucatan. Um, you know, the rock dike that comes out right there by going into Yucatan Ditch. Uh, oh, I know it. Oh, yeah, you know it very well. 
Uh, <laughs> Matt, there would have been no issue of us running out of gas and getting wedged up on the rock dike because it was completely <clears throat> out of the water. Um, like you could see sand at the bottom of the rock dike. Yeah. You couldn't get anywhere close to Yucatan Ditch to get in there. So we went down um, We went down the river to Bayou Pierre, which is a long haul. Uh, got there. Water was down. You couldn't go. You couldn't go very far into Bayou Pierre. But as soon as we got into Bayou Pierre, we started seeing alligators everywhere. But they were all, mm-hmm. all in that like seven to nine foot range. Like every alligator we saw was seven to nine foot. You know. Um, called. You know, we 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 even we said we we're gonna ground check these gators, right? Knowing good and well, like looking at them, none of these gators are ten foot. I'm just hooking the gators, pull them up to the boat. We go, nope, nine foot, nope, seven foot, eight foot, seven foot, and just ended up letting them all go. Um, that sounds like a lot of work. It, you know, for for not shooting one, it was a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we left there and went on up to. Uh, we went back on up to the big black again, and and we only went into the big black maybe two hundred yards. And it was so low that there was just stumps and stobs everywhere beating the boat up. And we're like, you know, it's not worth it. Um, Yeah. You know, saw a couple more gators in there that were like perfect slot gators, you know, that six and a half to seven foot range. Um, But ended up not filling my last tag. Have you guys talked about velvet season yet? Not yet. I wanted to get to that. Um, Well, I was bringing it up because I've been gator hunting, and it's, it is fun, but conditions-wise, the time you do it, the the temperature and all that, it's not good. Yeah. I and mean, I was going to say the second worst thing would be velvet season well, before, <laughs> as far as conditions. Before we hit velvet season, because I do have some things to talk about with that, and I know you do as well, um, quick break, hear from some sponsors. And when we come back, I want to talk about the velvet season for sure. So we'll be right back. It doesn't matter whether you own your own business or work for someone else. You're going to need office supplies, printing, and office furniture. We all use them every day, so why not use a local family-owned business right here in the Pine Belt? Commercial Stationery Company offers great customer service, free next-day delivery, and free installation on furniture. Call Wayne and Daniel Ross at 601-582-4311 or go by there and see them yourself at 723 Scuba Street, located in Hattiesburg. Hunting season is here, so why are you still loading your four-wheeler in the back of your truck? Head on over to Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales in Columbia, Mississippi. they got a trailer for all of your hauling needs, including trailers for four-wheelers, side-by-sides, and tractors. Gooseneck trailers and dump trailers are also available. And in the event that you kill a deer with your truck rather than your rifle, they can take care of that too. Check them out on Facebook at Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales or give them a call at 601-736-3219. So back to what I was saying about conditions (laughs) for seasons, I'm going to have to say that Gator is pretty high up there on my list, but real close to it is going to be the velvet season, which I'm going to participate in again. I've got the deer on camera. I got to give it a shot, uh, but I'm I'm betting I'm not going to enjoy the experience. So, 
Velvet season's in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, two weeks. Yep, correct. Yeah, it's going to have to drop in temperature a lot to get me out of the – or to get me in a deer stand. Well, so my other my other point I keep telling myself as I talk myself into this foolish adventure is I tell myself it is early till season, and I can always till hunt. Oh, God, yeah, I want to throw up. Odds are, I want to throw odds up. are, we are not going to have many till anyway with this heat. No. <laughs> no, don't do it, Matt. Don't. I'm telling didn't you not to didn't do you it. Did you say that one of your worst experiences with waterfowl was teal hunting? In yeah, as a teal hunt at Blake Bogahoma is one of the worst days of my entire life. <laughs> I mean, I, it was so bad that morning before we even shot at the first wood duck that we saw on this tail hunt, my prop had gotten some type of spotter wire lily pads wrapped around it. Cause I had that mud motor and I was back in the stuff, but it yeah. had caked up so much on it that it had the, the motor would not engage because it couldn't turn this junk. Too much resistance. Cause it wasn't, I wasn't like hauling butt. So I wasn't cutting it. It was just rolling it up. Just rolling it up, rolling it up, because I just had it like in gear. You you were spooling lily pads. I was spooling some type of demonic lily pad up, <laughs> and I had sat there with a knife in the water for thirty minutes before daylight, just sawing at my prop. <laughs> just just a terrible experience. I called an alligator though. So you caught you caught him barehanded, didn't you? Well, I caught him with a, uh, he bit a topwater frog, and oh. then I uh, just grabbed it. <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't trying to catch him. I didn't even know, you know, he was there. Didn't even see him. I did not cast right on his nose or anything like that. I just, you know, he just bit. You know, you're talking about alligators help. in Bogahoma. There used to not be any alligators in Bogahoma when I was a kid. There used to not be any alligators anywhere <clears throat> when I was a kid. It's amazing how they've just exploded everywhere. Um, yeah, and I'm, it, the, that's why we need more tags, longer seasons, so that they don't exist anywhere around us. Uh, All right, look, w- one more question about that, and then we've got to go back to velvet season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more question Sorry. about gators. Was there something, I've never researched gators much, was there some kind of event, maybe a law pass or anything that happened that made their population go up? I, not that not that I'm aware of. Um, okay, see, like deer went up, but, but people started really farming for deer, like really setting habitat for them and stuff. You know what I mean? Well, I, like it was a a concerted effort to make deer populations better. But people would bring in deer, even in Mississippi from like Wisconsin. I've got a theory but, on the alligator stuff. On the alligator stuff, yeah, I want to hear it because I have no idea. All right, so I think that the MDWFP made it so egregious to kill an alligator that people quit. You know, because, I mean, we've had alligators forever, right? And yeah. if you had a nuisance They're gator, like dinosaurs, dude. you just killed it. You know, if you had an alligator in your pond or, you know, in an area of the river that you fished in and you wanted him gone, you killed it, you didn't say anything about it. And then they made it to where, like, if you kill an alligator, you get caught killing an alligator. It's some serious fine. Like you're get you're in trouble. Yeah. 
Okay. So if your theory is true, that that's like what I'm talking about. Like that's the event I'm thinking. Okay, that plus it's population. We keep building. You know, we keep infringing on alligator on territory. their territory. So yeah. we're pushing alligators. You know, we're we're moving their habitat. I think, and I think that's why I like. All right, you see it all the time in especially like Florida and South Carolina, like retirement communities. They build these new mm-hmm. retirement communities on the edge of a swamp. And, you know, next thing you know, there's an, a 75, 80-year-old woman walking her foo-foo dog, and the dog gets eaten, and then the woman gets bitten. You're seeing more and more of that, you know what I'm saying, at, at a lot of these places. And it's because we're building structures in places where alligators are or used to be. You know, um, right. I think we're we're seeing more gators because we're pushing gators into areas that they used to not have to go to. You know what else we're seeing more of? Sharks. We're not not going to, I'm not going to go down there, but there are more sharks, undeniably more sharks. Listen to the people, listen to the people speak, the people who are out there all the time. There are more sharks. We need to slaughter all the sharks and these freaking nerds, these stupid nerds is what they are. They're just nerds that are like, Oh, sharks are the doctors of the ocean. Oh, they keep it healthy. And they clean up all the waste of the dead. What do you think that there, if you, if you catch a snapper, God forbid it's undersized and it dies and you throw it back. God forbid. Before that snapper hits the bottle, if it does make it to the bottle, everything that exists in the ocean is going to eat it. There's nothing that this idea that sharks somehow clean up the waste, like, like they're the only thing that like is a, like the only predator fish that cleans up the way, like everything eats everything. If it does make it to the bottom, Crabs take care of it. Like, I don't, this, I hate this idea. This is just like the same thing with wolves. They're like, hey, let's put wolves in Colorado. That's a great idea. Let's destroy elk herds. Like, shut up. Right. There are more elk in Colorado because there are no wolves. Right. I agree. Duh. I I absolutely agree. I think introducing wolves into areas is a bad idea. I think not killing alligators is a bad idea. Not killing sharks is a bad idea. Am I happy that there is a shark that exists in the ocean that is a great white? Is it cool to look at? Sure. I don't care, though. I don't care about him. I don't care about the preservation of species on this planet. Just the ones that I eat. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, I don't, I really don't care about polar bears. I don't. And if they're like, hey, all the polar bears, I'm like, sorry. They should have evolved better. Like, (laughs) we're doing fine. (laughs) Like, it's not my problem. Well, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, Velvet season. Velvet, Velvet season, season, yeah. Two weeks. I got a bone to pick. Um, <clears throat> I think you guys probably already know what's coming. Uh, just a little background on the, on the Velvet Hunt. Last year was the first year you could do it. Um, and it was, uh, it was House Bill 1035 was passed. 
establishing a velvet buck season in Mississippi. So you can only kill a buck. Um, to participate in the season, hunters are required to obtain, and this is straight out of the straight out of the MDWFP website. You're required to obtain a special velvet season permit, which I think is like ten bucks. Um, they became available to purchase on August first. You can get them anywhere you purchase a hunting and fishing license. Um, yeah, it is ten dollars. I'm sorry. Cost of the permit for residents is ten. For non-residents, the permit is included in your deer permit, which is a hundred dollars. Here's the kickers: Where can you do this at? Private lands only. You cannot hunt a velvet buck September the fifteenth through the seventeenth on public land, and you can only kill one legal buck, which is fine. Um, and it counts. It counts toward your yearly total. So if you kill, like, say you get three bucks total, you kill one during velvet season, now you got two left for the rest of the year. Um, it's archery only. Longbow, recurve, compound, crossbow. Um, Not archery, but whatever. I agree. I agree. And uh, so that's kind of the gist of it, right? Um, <clears throat> now here's the, here's the things that stick in my crawl, and I'm going to read them off and then – we can debate all of this. All right. Mandatory harvest reporting. You got you to gotta report your harvest by 10 p.m. the day of the harvest. I don't know why I keep saying harvest. I'm just reading it off the website. You got to report your kill the day of by 10 p.m. Okay. I mean, harvest is fine, man. Like, You're not, we're not picking corn, so we're not using harvest. Um, okay. You can do it on the MD <clears throat> the MDWFP's website or on their uh, smartphone app, um, which is fine. I don't have a problem with mandatory harvest reporting. I don't. Here's where I have a problem. Mandatory CWD sampling. All harvested bucks must be submitted for CWD sampling to an, MD, an MDWFP CWD drop-off freezer, or to a participating taxidermist within five days of the kill. You can kill a deer on your private land, but you have to turn it in for CWD testing. I do not agree with that. I think that is bogus. I think it's government overreach. It ticks me off that that's even a thing. Well, I mean, going back to the beginning of what you just started talking about, what are you going to do if I don't tell you I killed him? Nothing. You're not going to do anything. This is my land. You're not going to tell me what I, uh, that I have to tell you that I took an animal that lives on my property. I'm I sorry. Mean, I, think you can get a, I think you can get a ticket. Yeah, I'm sure you can, <laughs> but I, I would like for you to prove that I did this. Look, if I shoot a velvet buck on my dad's property, you're not going to, I'm just not going to tell you that I did it until October. Well, all right. So that's what I'm getting at here. All right. If we have <clears throat> mandatory CWD testing done in the velvet season, why not two weeks later on October 1st when it opens up? Right. Are there, is there, is there only CWD during warm months and then the, 
No. Also, warm month of October cures the CWD. No. <sighs> What's the what is the reason? And and they'll say, if you ask, they'll say, well, it's to collect data. It's to collect, you know, to so we can assess the Mississippi herd. Seems like a small sample size. That's only on private land. Only on private land. <laughs> if it was public land. I'd be a little more uh, a little more apt to be on board with it. Like if I killed a deer on state land and you said, Ben, you got to turn that in for CWD testing, I'd be like, you know what? I killed that deer on state land. I understand that. Yeah, if I that, go well, kill a deer on my sand. land that I have bought, right. that I pay taxes on, that I own, and I have the mineral rights and everything else, whatever, and now I got to turn something in in September, but if I do the same thing two weeks later in October, I don't. Right. It makes no sense to me. Right. All right. So I'm not going to tell you that this is where I stand. I'm going to tell you what the state says. Though. The state stance, though, is that no, there's no such thing as your deer. Even right. if it's on your land, the state of Mississippi defines it as not your deer. Correct. It's wild game. And so you don't, nobody owns it. So the state tries to regulate it. That's just what I'm saying. And, no, I, I, I know, and, I know that's, I know that's where they come from. But <clears throat> if it doesn't belong to anybody, how do they try? How can they regulate it? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you, you get what I'm saying? Like, no, I, don't, I, do. I don't own the deer. Well, the government doesn't own the deer. Nobody no, but owns they can it. pass laws and stuff. I know, but it's just like bald eagle conservation. They pass laws. You know, nobody owns the bald eagle. Right. But but I, I was going to say that I don't really like the mandatory sample reporting because, well, for one, they have increased their sites a lot over what it used to be, but it's still, for some people, it could be a 50-mile drive yes. to a site one way, and that's ridiculous. Uh, but the other side is, I'll be honest, this is, of all their regulations, this is probably the one that I wouldn't pick a fight with it. That's what I'm just saying. I, I'm going to do it and be like, well, it's, an, it's annoying, but I'll do it. You know? I, I kind of want to know this, and I'm not even sure who we could ask. I can find out, I guess. What happens if I kill a deer on my land and I turn it in per their requirement and it tests positive for CWD? What next? Well, they're going to your entire area, probably the entire county, to be honest. They're going to put it as a CWD zone. Are they going to come on my land? Um, I'm not 100% sure on what they can and can't do. Yeah. You, you see where I'm going, though? Yeah. Like, is this is this uh, a precursor but at the same time, to government? I'm just... Yeah. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you this. At the same time, if, uh, if the Southern Coyote, if I think it's called a, no, the Southern Red Wolf, which is extremely rare. We're talking about less than 100, I think, in existence. Yeah. If they found a den of them on your land, they're coming on your land. You know what I'm going to do to that den, Matt? You know what I'm going to do to them <laughs> Red Wolf? You're going to say you're going to wipe it out. I'm going to shoot every one of them in the face. I'm going to send the pelts to NDWFP's office. And tell them I found these trespassing on my property. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I don't, I don't I care still, about those stupid red wolves. I still think it's 
<laughs> I mean, I kind of feel the same way. If it's on my land, I don't think the government has any right to be on that land. Period. Hey. Yeah, yeah, Ben. Welcome to I, I welcome, welcome, to, welcome to Ruby Rich. Um, <laughs> I'm simply telling you what this, what their stance is going to be. I'm going to have a Ruby Rich over a CW over a dead deer's brain. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm gonna I'm, have a ten not, day standoff with the federal government over the brain of a dead deer. I'm not okay, doing that. Is anyone <laughs> is anyone participating other than me in the Velvet Weekend? It's okay, hard. it's just me. I would hard. like to exercise my Fifth Amendment right not to self incriminate. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I've already decided I'm not going to hunt that weekend. Um, you know, actually, I can guarantee you I will not hunt that weekend. Yeah. I may go fishing that weekend, but I'm not going hunting. Um, I'm not, you know, like, I think killing a buck in velvet would be cool. I've never done it. But <clears throat> I'm not that angry at him right now, or I'm not killing one in velvet isn't that big a deal to me to go when it's that hot. <clears throat> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. And you know, if, if, if if this is your thing, I get it. I went last year and sweated and I, got bit by mosquitoes and stuff. I remember both of you guys went last, last year and, uh, I slept in and got up. You guys both went and sweated your butts off in your stands. You didn't kill anything. I slept in that day, drove up, and went and caught a mess of catfish. Yeah, yeah. but it's still not as bad as staying up all night gator hunting and not catching anything. <laughs> yeah, well, well, now, wait a minute. I caught alligators. the worst. I caught alligators. Uh, not Thursday. Well, you caught them and let them loose. I let them loose, yeah. I mean, we let them go. I just didn't catch what I wanted to catch. What there, you did was go yeah. offshore in two to threes and not land a single snapper over 16 inches. Terrible day. That's essentially what I did. Uh, I just got back from down there, by the way, and, uh, the seas are angry right now down there. Yeah, there was a slight depression. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, um, how was the water clarity? Oh, uh, I'm going to say it wasn't real good. I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of surf kicking up. Um... It was really windy, really rough, um, at least along the coastline. So, yeah, I won't be I won't be back spearfishing until November. About November the eighteenth. I don't know what happens then. That's when we'll be down there. That's the wedding. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, I'll definitely go that weekend. <laughs> I'm making a whole deal about that. Amanda <laughs> thinks that that's for her, but really, she gets me for about three hours that weekend. <laughs> now, Matt, you said you're you're going to go on the uh, velvet hunt. Does this mean, and you said you've got a deer on camera. What what kind of deer are we talking about here? I'm assuming. Uh, well, it's hard to tell when they're in velvet. He's a good one. Um, I'm assuming it's got to be pretty good to get you that fired up. That's probably 130 inches. 
That would be so a, that would be a cool deer biggest, killing velvet. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So I got to give it a shot, but I may get up there and it's 101 degrees and mosquitoes everywhere and be like, this is terrible. I will say this, though. The lack of rain is good for the mosquito population being in decline. Correct. This, this is true. Yep. Yeah. If we if it's been this if it had been this hot with this much and a ton of rain, you know, oh, the mosquitoes this bow season would have been out of control. Yeah. Well, I hope maybe since it's so hot and has been so hot that winter is mild. I saw you because know, all they do all these you freaks that are like cold. I know cold. you do. I want you. You want you're one of those duck hunting people who are just unhinged. Um, <laughs> You know, they do these, uh, like, long-term forecasts. And the one I saw the other day showed our winter <clears throat> being colder than average, uh, but drier than average. So cold and dry is what they what they have. Uh, I don't know how accurate it is. I, it's it's kind of hard to even think about it being cold right now. It's been so hot. Although the other night on the alligator hunt, uh, Thursday night, I was freezing. It got cold in the boat. It was about sixty-eight degrees, and uh, yeah, um, there was been some nice mornings last week where it was in the sixties in the mornings. Yeah, very nice. Now I'll tell you what else happened while we were out there. Um, the barge traffic really picked up about midnight on the big river, and <clears throat> it got uh, you talking about you know two to three footers. Uh, that's what it was like in the Mississippi River. Uh, two, two to three foot swells, uh, in the dark, uh, behind barges. It was, uh, wow. in a 17 foot aluminum boat. So it beat you to death, man. And we had to thread the needle one time. We had a barge going up river that we were behind. We pass it and there's a barge coming down the river and we had to go in between them. And you talk about getting tossed up, tossed around. Um, this is about as scared as I've been on the Mississippi River. Well, it's just water. Yeah, it's a lot of it, and it's a long way it's to water. the other side. It's just, it's just water, dude. You can swim. <sighs> um, well, I'm glad that you didn't kill a giant alligator. Uh, because the only way you can kill a giant alligator is if I'm there. So... That continues to be the case and uh, will be until I decide that I want to go back. Hey, um, while we've still got a little more time left, <clears throat> touching on that, um, the first night we went out, we tried to fill my tags in the southwest zone. The very next night, we tried to fill another guy's tags in the uh, west central zone, and we put in on some private land uh, in the Little Sunflower River uh, the guys had been told by some people that lived there that uh, they'd seen them. They they swear they saw one that was 15 foot long, which I'm not saying they didn't, but we didn't see it. Uh, we launched the boat from the bank. Didn't have a boat launch. It was really sketchy. Um, and the Asian carp. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, they're crazy. Y'all, it was terrible. Terrible. I bet and this is a, a generous estimate. I bet we ended up with 45 to 50 Asian carp in the boat that night. 
Like everything in the boat was slimed over. It was disgusting. Um, yeah. See, this yeah. is not information that's going to lend to Matt or I going on <laughs> one of these trips. Oh, I'm not. Well, I'm not I've going back to that area. I've got to admit that on a warm duck hunt in the early season on our place, when you get on the river water, yeah, uh, they we we've had two in the boat that we've had to stab and throw overboard to get them out while really? we're duck hunting. Yeah. But this is when it's like only like 48 to 55 in the morning. You know, once it gets like you get those really good winter mornings, no, you don't see them at all. Right. But I'm telling you guys, it was, it was the worst. Go. It was the worst I'd ever seen. And it was so bad. Like we'd turn the, the outboard motor off and just use a trolling motor to get around. But even the vibration from the trolling motor had them jumping in the boat. Yeah, they're crazy. They're like, man, they're like the crackhead of the freshwater. And you know, you know what we need to do? What? What do you a state record? A state Asian record? Car? Asian car? No, no, a state record something. Um, it's not going to be deer. It's just <laughs> simply too difficult to make that happen. Yeah. Um, but we catch state record fish. What kind of fish are you, are you talking about? Uh, I feel like since we're in Mississippi, uh, the only thing that would be cool would be a catfish or a gar. Which okay. kind of catfish? A flathead. And I don't care about the others. You do, <laughs> you do know that like a state record flathead, it's, that doesn't come really easy either. I mean, are we talking about like an 80-pound catfish? Um, yeah. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, right, give me a second. I'll look it up. Stay and make sure check check all species of catfish because I'm pretty sure channel cat's probably like nine pounds, and that's one that we're just not going to get either. Uh, but yeah, check uh, check for flathead. Right, I'm about to tell you. All right, so the record blue cat is 131 pounds. I'm not touching that one. The bass is smaller than I thought it would be. The bass is like 17 pounds, Matt. Eleven point six two. That's not true. <laughs> That's from the MDWFT's website. Oh well, the state the well, I don't know why they wouldn't count the former state record. No clue. It's seventeen pounds at Natchez State Park Lake. Um, and I, I know that for a fact. It, it may be the way big. it was caught. Hold on, it may have been the way it was caught. Fly fishing. Eleven and a half pounds. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Come on, bro. <laughs> Come on, bro. All right, <laughs> like, I know that. I'm All right, blue seeing... catfish, one hundred and four. Yeah. Flathead, eighty nine. Ooh. Yeah, did I guess pounds. that? Like, what did that's I say? A... Eighty pound. Yeah. God, that's so big. Yeah. Oh, that's so big. That's such a big flathead. Oh, that's gonna be tough. I don't know if we're going to do that. Long nose gar, forty-two pounds. Not definitely not touching that. I've never <laughs> seen him. I've never. <laughs> I've never seen anything close to that. Eighteen and a half is rod and reel record for a largemouth bass. Two hundred and thirty-four yeah. pounds for alligator gar. Good lord! How, how, what was the? What did you guess for channel cat? Nine or fourteen 50, or something like that. Fifty-one. <laughs> <laughs> 1997 uh, in Tumsuba, Mississippi. Good God. Is that how you pronounce that, by the way? I've yeah. never heard that in my yeah. life. 
It okay. is. Fifty. Well, yeah. yeah. I got a rod and reel that I can pull a hundred fifty pound catfish up off the bottom of the Pearl River in eight seconds. You know, the biggest rod and reel catfish ever caught in Mississippi was seventy seven pounds on a rod and reel. Oh, well that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rod and reel fishing. Flathead. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm after. That's what I'm talking about. That's the record I'm gonna break. Yeah, good luck with that. Alligator gar. Did y'all look at alligator gar, Ben? Uh biggest rod and reel alligator gar is two hundred and fifteen pounds. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at that. Okay. I was wondering if you that. Gosh, a tank. Yeah, now we're gonna we're gonna be in the three hundred pound line class because that's how big my leader's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going hunting on Velvet Weekend. Hopefully I have a good support. Uh I know I'm gonna be uh ate up with bug bites and uh dehydrated at the end of it. Yep, you are. Well, uh I'll, I'll be in the woods though. Well, good deal. Well, the next couple of weeks, we're going to have um, some more guests on the show. We're kind of kicking off our fall segment of this now. I'm not going to do another season. We do, I just I don't think we need to do another season. Just keep this one rolling. Um, but we will have some more guests coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I'm going to upload some... Uh, some alligator hunting footage here in the next couple of days so we'll have that up as well when will we report again oh the next week i'll save it for them <laughs> all right you guys got anything else well i'm good nope all right till next time thank you guys while you're scrolling through social media go check us out on facebook instagram and tiktok also, visit our website, pinstripes2camo.com, to read weekly blogs and purchase Pinstripes to Camo merchandise.